0: We've got an unseasonably warm evening on the way in western New York. Great place for some football. We've got Bucks and Bills tonight. Thursday night football kicks off week eight of the NFL action. And, of course, we have a live report coming from Buffalo in just a few moments. Hey, we Welcome got to NFL in the studio. Live. Back. I feel like it's like riding a bike, baby. We are back. NFL Live is here. Dan Orlovsky, Marcus Spears, Ryan Clark. So it feels team. weird for me to be introducing these guys because you see them on the TV every day. Adam Schefter joining us in just a moment as well. And we're going to begin with Shefty in just a couple of seconds as in San Francisco we have some news. The 49ers are facing the possibility of being without quarterback Brock Purdy this Sunday after he entered the concussion protocol on Tuesday. As mentioned, Adam Schefter is here with us on NFL Live. And Shefty, what more can you add to this situation in San Francisco? Well, Field, I don't think the 49ers are ready to
1: give up on the idea that Brock Purdy can somehow make it back, clear protocol, and play on Sunday against the Bengals. They're not ruling that out. They're obviously going to be careful, observe all the protocols and rules and make sure that he does what he has to. But I think that they feel like there's still a chance that Purdy could be out there on Sunday, despite the fact that it is a short week and he didn't report the symptoms until their flight back from Minnesota to San Francisco on Monday night. We'll see if he can make it back. If he can't, then obviously Sam Darnold would start in his place. But again, I think there's still a chance that Purdy will be able to go on Sunday.
0: All right. Shefty will monitor this one over the next day and a half leading up to the game status report. Much more from Shefty on the way. But Dan, as we look at Sam Darnold, possibly, but not certainly, possibly replacing Brock Purdy. How big is the the gap between these two players? I don't think it's a lot.
2: And that's why I said yesterday I didn't
0: think this offense would skip a
2: beat. Like if we watch Brock Purdy, And we say, what does he do exceptionally well in Kyle Shanahan's offense? You know, this year you'd say, very good anticipation thrower. Absolutely. Um, Really good decision maker. More so the right decision maker. The, The layering of the football over defenders. And then athleticism. A little bit of the creativity. Well, Sam Darnold, I absolutely can tell people, has three out of the four I can say check. He absolutely can throw with anticipation. He absolutely can layer the football up over defenders. And he absolutely is athletic. The right decision-making is the one where we have like a little bit of a question mark, and that's mm-hmm. absolutely fair, but this is what I would say. Decision-making is often tied to how much easier the decision is for you that's made by the coach, and that's why I think the personnel groupings and the motions that they get into San Francisco make that decision just a little bit simpler for quarterbacks on a consistent basis.
3: I mean, you know how they say the right woman can elevate the man. I mean, RG3 put a post out, you know. It was his outfits before he met his current wife and his outfits since he met her. It was a real glow-up for him. That's exactly what Kyle Shanahan has been to quarterbacks. Quarterbacks who've had some talent or had some things, Kyle Shanahan has taken them and elevated them. And we look at what Brock Purdy can do, the anticipation, the way that he can process, the way that he digests and gets the football out of his hands. Those are kind of his superpowers. We haven't necessarily seen Sam Darnold do that to that level, but we've seen how dynamic he can be with his arm strength. We've seen the way he can push the football down the field. And I watched him throw from field level at USC, and I remember turning to my son Jordan on one of his recruiting visits and saying, that's what it looks like. When it's top five and so now with the tutelage of Kyle Shanahan with some of the ways that offense creates space I'm expecting to see Sam Darnold take that step forward in the anticipation in the dissecting and the processing But add his dynamic arm to that and we could get something special from the San Francisco 49ers while rock Purdy Hills
4: Hey fellas great great analysis, but this is when we get a chance system quarterback mm. system quarterback right both both of you guys have alluded to the fact that Kyle Shanahan then makes a really good point about the the amount of decisions that he's given under Shanahan and the RC you talked about the ability the talent to spend it in the things that he can do this is about Sam Darnold being in what we believe to be a very favorable and advantageous situation. Right. Playing the quarterback position. It is a direct opposite of what we know about him throughout the majority of his career as far as decision-making. So we'll see which which one of those things play out in this football game because it won't be because the plays won't be there. It won't be because it's not a a system in which he can thrive. It'll be strictly about Sam Darnold choosing either not to follow that system are not being able to run the system, yeah. and then the other thing is this. Oh, Swaggu, we lost you there. Might have been my fault. It's
0: my first day back on the show for in a while. Dan, take <laughs> it away. <laughs> here's, here's why I'm so bullish on
2: this situation. Outside of Sam Darnold's talent, the best decision making, like quarterback season, maybe I've ever seen outside of like Patrick Mahomes was 2016, Dak Prescott in Dallas. Huh. So why? Quarterbacks make bad decisions so often because we have to make them before we're ready. Very rarely are quarterbacks fooled by coverage. It's because guys aren't open or the pressure's on us. And this is why I say the 21 personnel and the different formations – remember, 21 is two back, one tight end. Mm -hmm. And the different formations they get into kind of expedite the decision-making process. When he gets into Kyle Shannon and all these unique personnel groupings and formations – He's taken like, imagine when we sit down at a restaurant, right? We go out to dinner, yeah. and you look at a menu, and you go, oh, my gosh, there's 15 things to choose from. I don't Cheesecake know what factory. to do. Correct. There's
0: 200 what things What Kyle
2: there. Shanahan does is in this 21 personnel with these formations and motions, he's taking those 15 decisions, and he shrinks them down to, like, three. Mm. That's what helps quarterbacks so often in that system make expedited and proper decisions is they're not choosing from as many, and that's why I think that question mark for Sam Darnold is going to be helped – by the system and Kyle Shanahan.
3: Now, (laughs) I know we are sort of going on this rant about how this system can help Sam Darnold, and Lydell, our big-time overseer, producer, made a point that, hey, the other times we've seen sam Darnold before this he hasn't been very good whether it's been seeing ghost or being replaced in carolina and so we're not saying that everyone that plays in this system excels because remember that's why we love jimmy g because jimmy g was so much better than his replacement when it came to wins and losses and now brock purdy takes that to another level so we understand you have to understand how to execute in kyle shanahan's system but his system does make it simpler does make it easier and if sam Darnold can master those small pieces mm-hmm. we
0: do believe this is the most explosive we could have seen the san francisco 49ers i almost think of it like this if you succeed in the kyle shanahan system as a quarterback it doesn't mean that you are necessarily it but if you don't succeed in that system it probably you means can't play you cannot play You're I mean, not you NFL ain't it so much longer yeah and me, you ate it. Yep, yeah, let's get to some uh, top stories around the NFL with Adam Schefter <laughs> once again with us. And we start in New York. Daniel Jones has missed the last two games. What do we you know about his availability on Sunday against the Jets? Field
1: still not cleared for contact. So it's looking like Daniel Jones is not going to play on Sunday. And it once again will be Tyrod Taylor behind center in the battle for New York between the Giants and the Jets. Daniel Jones didn't play the previous two weeks, got hurt at Miami. Obviously feels okay, can throw the football, can run around, but not clear for contact. And if you're not clear for contact, you're not going to be out there. Mm. Meanwhile, the Arizona Cardinals quarterback, Kyler Murray, was a full participant in practice yesterday. One week after the Cardinals opened the practice window on him, and that caught the attention of a lot of people around the league. I still think it would be a little bit of a surprise if we saw him this week, but the fact that he's a full participant... Tells you he could be getting closer. And a short time ago, the Dolphins wide receiver Tyreek Hill, who missed practice yesterday due to a hip injury, told reporters that he'll be out there on Sunday playing against the New England Patriots. Hill was back at practice today, as was the Dolphins starting running back Raheem Mostert, who also missed practice on Wednesday due to an ankle injury. So it looks like they'll have Tyreek Hill and Raheem Mostert on Sunday. Good news for the Dolphins. And bad news for the New England Patriots.
0: Yeah, Wednesday things were looking a little bit less certain. Seems like things are trending in the right direction now for Miami. You know, the Patriots were able to limit Tyreek Hill when these two teams played back in Week 2. They held him to a season-low 40 receiving yards. Rookie cornerback Christian Gonzalez was a big part of that as he lined up against Hill on 61% of his routes. They held him to one catch on four targets. However, Gonzalez is not going to play on Sunday. He's on IR due to a shoulder injury. So, RC, our resident defensive back, with Gonzo now out for probably the rest of the season, what is the Patriots' game plan? I can see how much it hurts you to not see Gonzalez on the field.
3: Well, Belichick went grabbed his Pepto-Bismol. Mm. He went grabbed him some Tums. He got bubble guts. <laughs> <laughs> then he grabbed him some Imodium because now his stomach is upset. He was sort of feeling good. Now, knowing that you have to face Tyreek Hill without Christian Gonzalez, who did a great job of defending him last time that these two teams met. It was a ton of too high with Christian Gonzalez having opportunities to play underneath Tyreek Hill. Also times Christian Gonzalez in the half being the guy that was over top to stop the speed ball down the sideline and get an interception. You would suppose that JC Jackson who was acquired from the Los Angeles Chargers, who actually acquired him from the New England Patriots when he was a free agent, <laughs> would be the guy that was tasked with this, who was also matched up against Stefan Diggs last week. J.C. Jackson does seem to excel in Bill Belichick's system, and so maybe using him now, one-on-one with Tyreek with help over the top, will be the answer to the Christian Gonzalez problem that was created when he was put on IR. You know, the thing about this with New England, Dan, is they're a heavy sub package team defensively, right. they love to use Kyle Duggar and Jabril Peppers in many different ways, whether it's matching up on tight ends or getting inside right. the box. And so I think that was why they were hurt in the run game against mm. Miami in the first game, where we saw Raheem Mostert have a daze because they play smaller on the defensive side of the ball. And so if they make that adjustment, it's going to be some young linebackers that have to step up along with Bentley to try to find ways to stop the run. Also, get in some of those passing lanes of the new of the Miami Dolphins that we see Tua Tagovailoa exploit because of the play action, because of the motion, and the great play design of
0: Mike McDaniel. Mm. This offense and this defense with Good these point. two men at the control panels Color me excited for (laughs) the test match on Sunday afternoon. We are just getting started here on NFL Live, and with Deshaun Watson being ruled out this week, P.J. Walker will be QB1. Here where R.C. says this loss is especially destructive for the Browns' morale. Plus, the Cowboys' defense has been strong this season, but they could have their hands full this week with a budding Rams offense. Here, Marcus' words of warning for his former team heading into this critical game.
5: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
0: Back here on NFL Live and new on NFL Live, an update out in San Francisco. You see this tweet right here from our 49ers NFL Nation reporter, Nick Wagoner, about Brock Purdy. And he is out there during the early open portion of practice. Back with Adam Schefter once more. Schefter, what more can you add to the Brock Purdy situation? Well, Phil,
1: as we said in the opening segment of the show, we told you the 49ers were not ready to rule out Brock Purdy yet, and they thought there was a real chance that he might be able to clear through protocol, despite the fact that it's a short week, to make it back on Sunday. And I think initially when we heard that he showed symptoms on the flight home, you automatically thought, well, this isn't going to happen. But upon further conversations last night, I came away with the impression that they were not ready to give up on Brock Purdy for this week yet that he is in play for this week. We'll see whether he can make it through protocol, but the fact that he's out there on the practice field today tells you again that they think there's really a chance that he still could make it through protocol in time to play on Sunday, and if he can't, then it would be
0: Sam Darnold. Okay, Shefty, don't go too far. Much more quarterback news, including some right now, as the Browns are going to again be without Deshaun Watson. He's out on Sunday against the Seahawks due to a lingering shoulder injury. Watson was asked today if he wanted to be out there, take a listen to the Brown starting quarterback, who, again, will not be available in Week 8. Adam, what more can you tell us about this injury and when we could possibly see Deshaun Watson back on the field? Well, he
1: does want to be back out there, but doctors have told him that it's a subscapularis injury and that if he were in baseball and he were a pitcher, it would be a four- to six-week injury. He came back. He admitted today that he wasn't where he should have been and he wasn't fully ready to be back out there. And then, of course, drew the hit where he absorbed more punishment and more pain on that rotator cuff. And so now that he's already been ruled out Wednesday, that tells me that it may still be a little bit of time here. Probably not an indefinite amount of time, because if it were Fields, they might have put him on injured reserve, which would sideline him for at least four weeks. But we're not in that area just yet. It's a week-to-week kind of deal on Deshaun Watson. He's out this week. They'll see where he is next week, evaluate it then, and make a decision about whether or not he can make it back next week, which on the surface would seem like a little bit of a stretch right now.
3: Doesn't that tell you where Deshaun Watson is and his understanding about what was expected of him and what he's delivered thus far? Deshaun Watson was supposed to be the end to that long list of starting quarterbacks this team has had, and he hadn't played up to his 2020 standards, and that was the reason you gave him $230 million guaranteed. We finally saw a a glimpse of it against the Tennessee Titans early this season, and then he gets hurt. I believe he rushes himself back because he knows this team has everything it needs to win a championship, a run game that's unstoppable no matter who's the back, a defense that can win games single-handedly, and all they're missing is a quarterback, but they're not supposed to be missing one. Mm. Andrew Berry went out and got him to be the missing piece and fix this team, and not playing well now being hurt
0: is very difficult for everyone, including... PJ Walker once again gets to start for Cleveland on Sunday. They go to Seattle. All of a sudden, that Seattle secondary coming together nicely. Yeah. Time for us to move to what is on trend around the league. I'm going to give Dan a stat. He tells me whether the trend will continue this weekend. And we begin in Philadelphia, where earlier this week, the Eagles acquired two time All Pro safety Kevin Byard. In an effort to improve their pass defense, Philly held opposing quarterbacks to the lowest QBR in the NFL last season. Currently, they're ranked 16th in that same category. They've allowed 12 touchdown passes and have just three picks, the worst ratio in the league. So with the addition of Bayard, do you expect those things to change this upcoming weekend? Yeah, I think this secondary is going to play improved football this weekend.
2: Now, we'll see if Kevin Bayard gets on the field. But one of the reasons why is playing Washington, who I'm a big fan of Sam Howells. He's ultra aggressive with the football, and they have obviously have a plethora of people to throw the football to downfield. But the main reason is the interior of their offensive line has not played well. Mm. And I think this bodes well for a Philadelphia defense line interior when it comes to Jalen Carter have a big game. His performance will help that secondary
0: play better. Let's go to Atlanta now. And during the first four games of the season, Desmond Ritter and Drake London struggled to connect as Ritter completed only 52% of his passes yeah. intended for London. However, they have found a connection over the past three games in which Ritter has completed 78% of his passes to London while averaging nearly 10 yards per attempt. Does that connection continue this week, Dan?
2: Yeah, it does. Let me say this about Ritter. He's playing really good football. I understand the turnovers have been costly. I think he can fix those because they're fixable. But this is why the connection has advanced. They're asking him to play more than just standalone wide receiver. This time they have him off the ball, mm. behind, in a stack. They're giving him a little bit more of a nuanced route tree option. This yep. is just a little spot route. He doesn't have to just be a guy... You stand out by themselves say so run-go routes. This time they condense the split, top of the numbers. You create space because he is a down-the-field threat because of his size and athleticism. That's an easy out route for 15-plus yards for their offense. So they're treating him like a little bit more of a complete wide receiver. They motion him to the slot. It's man coverage. He sets that defender, and he's strong field. He's big. Yeah. He clubs that guy by. The middle of the field is wide open. Now we have a little slant. So we've seen a curl. We've seen an out. We've seen the slant. Now we put him in the slot. He's the choice guy. I can break off leverage. In, sit, or out. If that defender's inside, watch how he sets them. He lets that defender stay inside and then run away from him. Now these throws aren't 50, 20, 15, 20 yards downfield, but they're a completion-driven part of their offense. And I think them using Drake London a little bit more as the nuanced receiver rather than just a big-bodied frame X by himself has helped that pass game. Desmond Ritter's played good. And I think if he cures those turnovers – They've got something in Atlanta. And
0: yeah, what a fascinating team they are. They are four and three in first place, but still some things they gotta figure out down there in Atlanta. Hey, still to come. The Ravens defense dominated the Lions last weekend. They hope to do the same against the Cardinals on Sunday. Dan and R.C. will head to the touch screen to show what makes this defense so hard to handle. Stick around.
5: Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. Take a look now
0: at Western New York. There you see Highmark Stadium, Orchard Park, New York. That's where Week 8 action kicks off. Bills, Bucks, 815 Eastern tonight. And time to check in at the Domino's pregame headquarters. And that is where we find our guy, Jeremy Fowler. He is in Buffalo covering tonight's bucks bills matchup. Jeremy, the Bills enter tonight having lost two of their past three
7: games. Where was their focus as they prepared for the Bucks for this Thursday night football affair? Well, Theo, the Bills are trying to get off on a faster start, just ten points in their last three first halves. So I asked somebody with the organization about that. They said, look, on a short week, we just focused on simple execution, which leads to confidence, which leads to better energy, which they hope – leads to more points. And as was pointed out to me by multiple people, Josh Allen, after a loss, he gets a little edgy. He wants to know what's our plan to fix this, and he wants to know immediately. So Sunday night, Monday morning, they were getting after their attack for the Bucks. And I actually just got a text a few minutes ago from Bucks head coach Todd Bowles because I asked him about Josh Allen. He said the key tonight is cornerbacks have to stay plastered to wide receivers when Josh Allen inevitably breaks the pocket, which he will several times, trying to make a big play. So they got to stay on him few quick injury notes. Vita Vea, big defensive tackle with the Bucs. They truly do not know if he's going to play. He's going to test this out. Real game-time decision on that groin issue. They're hopeful, but they do not know yet. Ed Oliver, defensive tackle with the Bills with a toe issue. I talked to somebody who is optimistic. Nothing official yet, but they're at least hopeful. Jeremy, great stuff. Enjoy the game tonight. Should be a fun one there with major
0: implications for both squads. Time now for a DraftKings Sportsbook Same Game Parlay. And for that, we we'll go back to our guy Swagoo. Hey guys. Swagoo, we'll start here. Over, under, 263 and a half yards in the air for Josh Allen.
4: I'm going under. I think he's going to have to use his legs, babyface, and I want to see Ken Darcy get Josh Allen in some quarterback design runs. Mm. I think this offense needs to become more explosive, and I know we talk about his injury and trying to take care of him, but I don't think they can be explosive without Josh Allen being a back out of the backfield that time.
0: Yeah, seven rushes last week. It did not feel like any of them were designed other than quarterback sneaks. Over-under, one-and-a-half passing touchdowns for Baker Mayfield.
4: I'm going to go over, man. I think is coming off a very frustrating performance against the Atlanta Falcons, and missing Tredavious White and Matt Milano can't be stressed enough about how this pass defense is compromised as we saw it against the New England Patriots and Mac Jones. So I think Baker Mayfield will find Mike Evans or Chris Godwin um, more than one and a half in the end zone.
0: All right, time for one last one. Last one. Let's talk points. Over under, 43 and a half total point score tonight.
4: <laughs> I'm going to go over. I think the Buffalo Bills are angry mm. and peed off about how they've been playing. And we just heard Jeremy talk about how they need to have a fast start. And I do believe Tampa will get in the end zone a couple times, too. So, I'm going to go over on the 43-and-a-half. Okay, everybody loves to see overs. We
0: just love it. It's good for the game. Uh, more uh, on this game. We're going to pick in just a couple <laughs> of moments here on NFL Live. I'm taking the over. Coming up, the Rams take on the Cowboys this week and what could be their biggest test yet. RC tells us why he'll be paying close attention to Dallas's defensive play calling in this matchup. Stay tuned. Nakua ranks fourth in the NFL in receiving yards per game, while teammate Cooper Cup is fifth on that same list. Those two players are the main reason why Matthew Stafford has the second-most passing yards to wide receivers this season, trailing only two Otunga-Vailoa. However, they will be tested on Sunday against the Cowboys defense that has allowed the fewest yards per game to wide receivers. Obviously, lots of pressure on the Cowboys secondary this week, RC, but what's changed since the – Stefan excuse me, I was going to say Stefan. I apologize. Throw the flag on me. That's my bad. Trayvon. Trayvon Diggs' injury at the beginning of the season, which he tore his ACL. You know, they're definitely not as sticky as
3: they were before Trayvon Diggs mm-hmm. went out. I also don't believe they're as opportunistic. You know, you're going to look at the New England Patriots game where Deron Bland gets two, or even the finish where Stefan Diggs finishes the game against the Chargers and say, well, they're still making plays on the football, but they aren't as strong – in between the numbers. We've seen them give up some explosive plays, even dating back to the Arizona Cardinals with the big play to the rookie from Stanford. And so what they need to figure out is how they're going to call plays, how are they going to stack the box and play over the top with some of these deep crossers and dynamic routes we can see from Puka Nakua and also guys like Cooper Cup. This is a team in the Los Angeles Rams that create mismatches, that play to your leverage based on their formation and the way that they... Uh, design their route combinations. And so I'm looking for them to figure out how to get back to what they were before Trayvon Diggs Mm. by using Dan Quinn and his play calling to help out these safeties and some of the new pieces in between.
4: And RC, I'm going to focus on the tie-in, man, because we know how much the front end matters to the back end. And our man Ryan, our researcher, sent me a stat about Matthew Stafford, 26th in the league in QBR when pressured, 6th when he's not pressured. And the Dallas Cowboys are number one in pressure rate in the NFL this year. So it's going to be a line of scrimmage thing, right? When you look at, obviously, Michael Parsons comes to mind, but Odigie Zua in the center of the pocket. And Dan, know I've been talking about this for weeks, about how you affect these quarterbacks more now in the NFL, is to make them bail to the left or the right. So Dallas up front needs the pressure not only with four, but when, when Dan Quinn dials it up, it needs to be able to get home and speed up Matthew Stafford's process because I do believe there are plays to be made on this secondary if Matthew Stafford has time to push it downfield
0: all right so let's talk about that how will this Rams offense try and make things more difficult in that Cowboys defense Dana yeah there's still
2: a run-centric football team in Los Angeles and the two runs that Dallas is going to have to stop are two of the runs that they excel in number one to split flow meaning you are going to get The offensive line all going one way, and watch up top. Somebody from the other side of the football is going to cut the edge of the defense. They will see this six to eight times in this game. Number two, duo. Watch the bottom of the screen. The wide receiver is going to insert. Duo is a bunch of double teams. That's all they're trying to do is get a bunch of double teams to essentially dent the defense. And then you will have to deal with a bunch of switch releases top of the screen. Watch the tight end wait, and then Puka Nakua comes right away on a shallow cross. Man coverage sets. There's a little bit of a mesh indoor pick. The ball placement is premier, and a five-yard throw goes for a 40-plus-yard yeah. catch. And I think that was, that's going to be the biggest challenge for this Dallas team. Sean McVay is smart enough to know that. Hey, Michael Parsons, you are not going to get a running start pass rushing. You're going to see those two runs at least 12 times in totality. And those switch releases, RC would know better than I have how to handle them when you're playing certain man coverages.
4: Dan, to piggyback on the run game you talk about exclusively, bro, it's about the backside. It's about are they going to have enough discipline to stay in where they need to be on the backside? Because the pursuit is why that play is so explosive. It's usually guys are either trying to overrun over the top behind the offensive lineman, or they too fast across their yeah. face. And it's really just to get you disjointed as a defense and create space just by your technique. So it's always imperative when you get split flow in the run game. This is what I was taught is for those guys on the backside to be to hurry, but be patient and be where you're supposed to be. It's definitely a technique uh, play where you stop the run. And it's not about athleticism or how fast you can get across a guy's face. Uh, I like that. RC, can
2: I ask you this? Like when, when the Rams are doing all these switch releases, I guess like what's the biggest challenge on the back end and how do you try to mitigate it?
3: Yeah. Well, the biggest challenge is communication, especially when you're playing a ton of man, which we've seen from the Dallas Cowboys before. And then once you get the communication down, now it's understanding, are we getting switch releases or are we getting combination routes upfield? Because once the routes begin to move up the field, that's when these corners and these nickels and these safeties get locked on. And so if there are late breaks when we have some of these stacks and some Mm. of these motions that call us into combo coverages, that's where the miscommunications and the difficulties mm. rear their heads. And so for the Dallas Cowboys, it's going to be about discipline. And if they're disciplined in their preparation and they communicate, we can fill these things out up the field, or if
0: they switch early, be able to clamp on to our coverage. Mm. Second time we use this phrase, but there's some good chess matches taking place this weekend yeah. between brilliant offensive and defensive minds. Mm-hmm. Hey, coming up next here on NFL Live, coming off of a lackluster offensive performance, what do the Bills need to do to avoid another upset this week? Stick around to hear Dan's plan for how the Bills can get right back on the wagon tonight. You don't want to miss it. Sunday, NFL Countdown Crew has you covered for Week 8, 10 a.m. Eastern time. And then Scott Van Pelt and the Monday Night Countdown Crew gets you set for Raiders-Lions with a two-hour pregame starting at 6 Eastern. Both are on ESPN and the app. I know two guys that are on that show. They're right over here. Hey, it's time to check in on the Domino's pregame. As you see, Week 8 begins tonight One more look at Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park, New York. That is where the Bills will play host to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now we're going to check into Domino's pregame headquarters. Adam Schefter is back with us. And let's dive into this game a little bit, Schefter. What can we tell us about Baker Mayfield amongst the various injury updates for the game tonight? Will he play? Yeah, Phil. the Buccaneers have three key
1: players listed as questionable, starting with Baker Mayfield, who's questionable with that knee injury. He's tracking to play. Don't think it was ever a real concern that he wouldn't be out there, even on the short week against the Buffalo Bills, despite that knee injury. Full practice on Wednesday, which tells you that Baker Mayfield will be going tonight against the Buffalo Bills. As for Chris Godwin, the wide receiver, listed as questionable due to a neck injury. Also, like Mayfield, full practice on Wednesday, Tells you that he's going tonight, which is the case. So Chris Godwin will be out there to catch passes from his quarterback, Baker Mayfield, as they try to pull the upset in Buffalo. And the other injury question in Tampa is on defense with Vita Vea. Groin injury listed as questionable. He didn't practice this week, which lends a question. But I'm told he's pushing to play and has a real chance to be out there, despite the fact that when the week started, the Buccaneers thought it would be very challenging and difficult for Vita Vea to be out there. But it looks like tonight... He's got a real opportunity field. We'll see here
0: in a short time. That is the definition of big news for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as few players match the size of Vita Vea. Dan, give us three things that you, need, you think need to be heavily featured tonight in the game plan for the Bills on offense. Yeah, I would love to see empty early on. Empty personnel,
2: five wide receivers or five options, five offensive linemen protecting, maybe with a little bit of tempo, certainly some Josh run, under center, play action pass, under center, okay. play action mm-hmm. pass concepts. This game will come down to how the Buffalo Bills handle Tampa Bay's defensive pressure. And this is why. Last week against New England, we talked about this. Two guys with their hands in the ground. Okay, this is what New England did so well. Now they get a four-man overload. Essentially, that nickel pressures off. Now, Josh gets a completion, but it's third and nine. Now we're fourth and one. But you're not going to make guys miss that consistently. Not Mm. tonight. Remember, I said four-man overload off the side. There's those two guys. So, as a defense... You're going, okay, there's – or an offense, you're going, here's something very creative. We got Cook in motion. They're going to bring four from Josh's right. And so, they're going to drop out and play what we know is cover two. Two deep safeties, corner rolls up, middle, like, middle linebacker run through. It's different. It's creative. We're maybe a little bit unprepared for that look. We get off the field defensively for a punt. And this is why. Tampa Bay spectacular at it. Again, two defensive linemen with their hands in the dirt. What you're going to get is off-the-ball pressure – Linebacker, linebacker, free safety. Hmm. Two of those edge guys are going to drop out. Again, different, unique. They're only playing cover three, but there's so much to look at. If Buffalo doesn't have a better plan, communicate, execute, and then hurt Tampa Bay's pressure, it's going to be for a long night for them tonight.
4: Dan, that's a great point. And another way to mitigate pressure is to find people. (laughs) And I'm trying to figure out who are the others on this football team outside of Dalton Kincaid. Man, Gabe Davis ran 39 routes. He was targeted five times and had one catch. Mm. We thought that Gabe Davis Man. was going to ascend to being that other option on this offense that could free up some things. And we know Stefan is the main guy. We know you want to get him the ball as much as possible. But it's some other guys that need to step up. Sherfield, one catch last week. Dawson, um, Dalton Kincaid had eight catches and eight targets. But I think you need more production mm. out of these receivers. Now, this is always the question for you, Dan, because I'm a defensive guy looking at it from that perspective and saying I really don't have much to defend on this defense. Outside of Stefan Diggs yeah. and the possibility of Josh Allen in private and using his legs, I'm not worried about anybody else. Is this a scheme thing, or is it the fact that these Josh is not looking at these guys, or they can't get open? I would say it's more scheme than
2: Josh not looking. I understand wanting to feed Steph, but I think this is more of a scheme thing, and that what I would – encourage Ken Dorsey, their play caller, getting a little bit of empty and be a little bit more ball distribution centric.
0: All right, RC, enough of this offensive talk. No one cares about that stuff. Let's talk Bill's defense here for a minute. What needs to change for them after losing two of the past three games? You know, I
3: think it's really difficult to replace guys like Matt Milano and Tredavious White. You You don't just go on the market and get those guys back on your team or just replace them. But you have to do something. You have to do something to be able to create pressure, something on the back end to create turnovers. You can't allow drives of 60 yards to get to the one-yard line for Tyrod Taylor and the Giants Mm. and then allow a guy like Mac Jones to beat you on a a, a game-winning drive when he's only had one in his entire career. Find ways to make plays, get the football back to Josh Allen, give them short fields and opportunities, and maybe that helps
0: with the lack of scoring All right, there we go a little more balance here offensive and defensive analysis presented I can't believe Marcus by the guys I know he's becoming an offensive guy it's time he's to smart. wrap up with our truly hard hey, seltzer man. game picks who wants to go first who feels audacious enough to pick this game Dana who do you want buddy? I don't feel great about this pick I'm taking Buffalo because okay. it's at home
2: 20 to 17 Uh-oh. this is a dangerous oh game God, for the Buffalo bro. Bills
0: okay Swaggoo, who you got
4: we all took the Bills. I know. This makes we me all, so nervous. I took the Bills, too. No, did ah. and, and, and I'm very I'm, – I'm super worried. I'm super worried about it. Matter of fact, change mind to Tampa. Okay.
0: There we go. Even though the Swaggy's graphic not going to come up, I'm going to take one Tampa. for the team right there. So, Swagoo's uh, pick has been officially I'm changed. I'm going to Buffalo, we'll to too. So. Later. Uh, bills, Bucks tonight. Week 8 action kicks off. Good to be back with you guys. Love hanging out with you guys and talking football.